a Native American tribe that was once prominent in the Great Lakes region, now wants to reestablish itself in northern Illinois. But will they get the cooperation they need from the Illinois General Assembly? We'll explore that question on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. Illinois currently has no federally recognized tribal reservations, but it wasn't always like that. In the early part of the 19th century, when the United States was still a new and expanding nation, the Prairie Band Potawatomi had a significant presence in the Great Lakes region, but they were forced off their land through a series of actions that many people now concede were blatantly illegal. Today, the tribe is now headquartered in northeast Kansas, not far from Topeka, but after 170 years, they have not given up their claim to a patch of land in DeKalb County, Illinois, where they still hope to reestablish a reservation. A bill introduced in the Illinois House this year would help them do just that. It would cede back to the Prairie Band about 1,500 acres in what is now Shabana Lake State Park. The tribe is also seeking federal legislation to help them reacquire additional land that once belonged to them, but the state legislation in Springfield would be a significant first step. Joseph Zeke Rupnick is the tribal chairman of the Prairie Band Potawatomi. He was in Springfield recently, and I was able to sit down with him to talk about the legislation. I started off by asking him how the tribe got evicted from their land in the first place. This really uh, started um, at one time, uh, Potawatomi Nation. Um, we were... Uh, we had lands from Ohio, extending almost to where Minnesota is currently. Um, and during that time, of course, uh, that was uh, around the 1700, 1722, I believe, was when first contact was made with some of the French traders. Um, at that time, we were uh, part of a larger coalition with the Ojibwe and the Ottawas. Uh, they commonly referred to us as the councils of three fires. So Potawatomi's, uh, Ojibwe, and, and Ottawa's. Um, through the course of uh, wars, of course, everybody wanted to settle in. I think that uh, this was kind of deemed United States because the Louisiana Purchase. Um, mm -hmm. Settlers had started to come in, and as a result of the wars, we started losing a lot more land. So uh, Ohio, most of the tribes got pushed out of there um, and kind of consolidated in Illinois. Um, some of our old stories are that we've been occupying this area for a thousand years. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, those are some of the old stories. Um, there was uh, one of the, uh, uh, at that time it was General Jackson, um, and he was a uh, Indian fighter, and uh, he was conquering a lot of the tribes up in this area here. And you're talking about future President Andrew Jackson. Correct. And uh, um, uh, Chief Shabney was aligned with Tecumseh, um, and they wanted to try and remove a lot of the settlers out of this area, so then when they uh, went through that battle at Prophetstown, uh, Supposedly, Shabani was with uh, Tecumseh when he actually fell. 
And I think that that took a lot of the fight out of him. And Tecumseh was the leader of? A, a, a large coalition of tribes. So he was yes. the leader of the Shawnee, um, and along with his brother, the Prophet. But many tribes in this area joined together with him to try and repel uh, U.S. settlers and, and, and the states out of here. So um, that's kind of the beginning of it. I think that Shabni kind of lost heart in fighting. Um, then it came to uh, 1829, and that was a pretty uh, prairie du shame. And in that treaty, they carved out two sections of land for Shabani. Um, a section of land is 640 acres, all, all told that's 600, or, uh, 1,280 acres. And uh, with the understanding, based on a lot of the language from the treaty, that it would be for his forever or his descendants. Um, when uh, General Jackson eventually became president, um, 1830, um, they started the Indian Removal Act, mm. and, and that act was to move all Indians um, west of the Mississippi. 1832, too, saw the Treaty of Chicago, and under the Treaty of Chicago, Potawatomis ceded 5 million acres of land. Congress never removed those two sections for Shabney. They kept that in the treaty. I, I think it had to do with some of the work that he had done up until that point. Um, before, um, before they entered into that treaty, uh, Blackhawk had asked Shabney to join his rebellion. Uh, Shabney refused. Um, you know, he had lost a couple of kids. You know, he saw Tecumseh sure. fall. He was about 60 years old. He didn't see an end in sight and didn't want anything to do with it. So his band said, no, we're, we're not going to do that. Blackhawk was coming down. Of course, Shabney um, warned the settlers at Indian Creek, which is probably about 20 miles southeast of where his village or his land was at, letting them know that Blackhawk was coming through there. They didn't heed his warnings. Uh, they ended up getting massacred. I think because of that, um, many folks in Illinois considered Shabney a friend, and, and they wanted him to remain there. And I think they lobbied Congress. So when that Treaty of 1832 came about, the Treaty of Chicago, Congress kept in his land. Um, and he was living there with about how many people? Uh, with that band, probably at that time, probably 20 or 30 folks, um, okay. close family members. Um, and then the Indian Removal Act came about, and then everybody started leaving. Where we were forced at gunpoint to leave out of Illinois. Um, Prairie Band, we wound up in uh, Platte County, Missouri. Didn't really like it there. They moved us up to Council Bluffs, Iowa. Um, but uh, that there, a lot of those leaders said at that time that uh, uh, we were too close to our enemies and they didn't want to remain there either and they asked the federal government to look for lands that were suitable. Kansas came available for that reservation that we currently occupy right now. Uh, we sent our scouts down there to take a look at it. They looked at it and they said that uh, there are things there that we can live on, we'll, we'll take that. So the money that we bought or we had from the seeding of 5 million acres of land in Illinois and the money that we had 
for seeding Council Bluffs land, we bought a 30 by 30 mile reservation in Kansas. Around 1850, Shawnee, he was still living up here with his close family. Mm -hmm. um, they kept him up here. Um, came down to make sure that the, the tribe was settled um, because 1846 we signed a treaty around 1847 we started moving into the Kansas Territory or that reservation that we had. 1850 Shabney came down to check on everybody, check on the rest of the relatives to make sure that everybody is settled in. Of course, you couldn't make that drive like you can in eight hours today. Yeah. You know, there were no roads, nothing like that. Um, um, Imagine he rode on in wagon, so it probably took him a few weeks to get down there. Plus, uh, making sure everybody was in there, they say that he was down there probably a month or so, making sure things were settled, everybody was doing what they were supposed to do. Coming back, um, once he got back here, um, that's when he discovered that people were living in his house. They, uh, they actually picked up his house and moved it to another location and people were living in it. Um, he tried to fight that through the court systems. They told him that he had abandoned his land, that the general land office had sold all of his land because he abandoned it and they allowed the settlers and whoever else to live there. Rupnik is a direct descendant of Chabonet and the story of what happened to his family's land has been passed down from generation to generation. And so I asked him what it's been like for him and his family to live for that many years with the knowledge of the wrong that's been done to them, because it seems like the kind of thing that would be hard to accept. Absolutely. And when I go up and I meet with different lawmakers, you know, whether it's uh, here in, in Illinois or in D.C., I, 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 I say, put yourselves in my shoes. Let's say, for example, you went on an extended vacation to Europe and you were gone for, you know, a month. And then you come back and you find out that the government had changed the locks on your house. They moved another person in there. How would you feel? Now multiply that by 170 years, and this is where we're at today. The bill that's been introduced in the House would give back some of the land that once belonged to the Potawatomi. But there is other land at issue, including private homes that were purchased in good faith by people who may or may not have known anything about the history behind it. Rupnik says that's where federal legislation is needed. Right now we have a bill in Congress, um, one in the House and one in the Senate, a companion bill um, the, uh, called the uh, Chabonet uh, Restoration Act. And in that bill, the nation is agreeing to clear everyone's title on that land. Right now, if you did a title search and, and you had a house that was within the boundaries of that reservation, that title search would come back and say that sale is subject to the uh, uh, concurrence of Chabonet and or his descendants. Uh, I would think that a lot of uh, insurance underwriters don't really know that because you know, why would they insure somebody's house to make sure that, you know, it couldn't be subject or taken over by an Indian tribe? So the nation is willing to clear that for them with the hopes that if they pass it on to their kids, we're agreeable to that, or if they wish to sell it, we would hope that we would get the right of first refusal. So that federal bill is still needed. We still have to clear those titles to give those folks a sense of 
a surety that nothing is going to happen to their land just because they're on a reservation. And so what would the state legislation do? This state legislation is actually going to try and make Prairie Band whole. Um, initially under the bill, the federal bill, we were asking for the original amount of land, which was the 1,280 acres. We purchased 128 acres on the original reservation and we own two homes on the original reservation. We wanted to try and make us, make us whole again um, and we were hoping that the federal government would abide by their trust responsibility to tribal nations. This legislation here, the park understands that the way the reservation is not a, a parallel reservation or it, it, it doesn't join together like a, a nice square, right? Yeah. yeah, it's kind of offset. So you had an 80 acres up here and you had another 80 acres down on the bottom. Half of that state park is within reservation boundary. Um, I think to make it clearer or cleaner, um, the state would then transfer over the entire park to the nation. And, um, you know, for the average citizen or individual, that transfer should be seamless. You shouldn't know or really feel anything um, because of the transfer. Another question that comes up when talking about reestablishing a reservation is, what do the Prairie Bend Potawatomi plan to do with it? Back in Kansas, the tribe operates a successful hotel and casino resort that has generated a lot of revenue and a lot of jobs for their community. So is it their hope to make a similar investment on the outskirts of the Chicago metropolitan area? We get asked that question quite a bit um, because 30 years ago, uh, when we were trying to settle this land issue, gaming was not, um, there wasn't much gaming in Illinois. Um, now I think the market is oversaturated. Um, our first priority is to secure the land. And that has always been the priority since I've been elected, is to make sure that we have the land issue settled. Once that happens, then we can look at other options. But at this time, we have no intention of looking at gaming just because of those factors. That was Joseph Zeke Rupnick, chairman of the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation. And you've been listening to Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation with additional funding from the Robert R. McCormick Foundation, the Illinois Broadcasters Foundation, and the Southern Illinois Editorial Association. I'm Peter Hancock. Thank you for listening.